Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 102, and I'll warn you right up front, this is going to be a somewhat truncated show for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, yeah, we mentioned it over the last couple of weeks. We are a little bit ahead of ourselves on our bandwidth usage for our hosting site for, for the audio files, given that January was a five-Sunday month. So I want to keep things a little bit tight to make sure that uh, everything, th- that we don't go over and have to record this thing in like 22-bit binary <laughs> Like telegraph series of clicks and beeps and shit like like that. Underwater in a tube. Yeah. (laughs) I want to sound like I'm underwater in a beer can. That's our normal state. And that's how I'd like to keep it. So, so yeah, we have to do that. Uh, Also, quite honestly, our show prep time from yesterday was truncated when we realized that the previous owners of the all new, all different Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office. Yes, these uh, lovely motherfuckers. At one point or another, apparently decided it was a good idea to affix certain heavy wooden kitchen cabinet facings uh, with Elmer's glue, uh, or perhaps a mixture of flour, water, and fervent fucking prayer. Well, lucky they didn't use fecal matter, frankly. Uh, I did not want to get close enough to actually smell this. I walked past this desk that is in our kitchen and said, oh, huh, that's a little cockeyed. Let me push it, and the whole fucking front fell off. And I'm well. It, we it, had a carpentry emergency. Yeah, and I'm known for for many <laughs> things, including carpentry. That, that's that's my main skill set. That's my you, jam. Harrison Ford, and Jesus. Exactly. So I looked at this dispassionately and wept openly. Uh, I might have submissively piddled at the concept of simple carpentry, but it wound up not being a, a huge deal. It's it required some screws and a little trial and error, but the things back together but yeah it's it's one of those things uh, look i'm a computer guy i do have certain tools yeah uh, if you which, if we leave you alone with a bottle of whiskey and computer parts you can assemble the the most quick overclocked machine in a blackout i built a tivo <laughs> a tivo a home theater pc on christmas eve once in a complete blackout like woke up hungover and there's tivo it's working <laughs> Parts were delivered. I opened a beer. A homemade one. Not like uh, you assembled the TiVo with the cute little logo that, like, you know, is animated. No. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was a home theater PC built from parts. And when I woke up in the morning, it was operating as as a TiVo-type device. Um, this required screws, and I was unmanned. It was <laughs> like, oh, no. What am I going to do? And it's, it was not as bad as it could have been because I do have a screw gun, which uh, moving into this place figured out we're going to have to put a bunch of stuff up and my, my wrists are weak despite years of frantic masturbation. I will use that. So I had the device to hammer the screws in, but I don't have any fucking wood screws. So I was figuring out what I need and run out and do some trial and error and find some more tools. And, but eventually it's put back together. You almost can't tell. Until you open the drawers. Until you open the drawers and there's a couple of empty screw holes where it's like, fuck, I didn't hit the other piece of wood. <laughs> Which I have to get wood putty and, and deal with that. And you can see some screw heads visible. But it's it's back together. Yes. Thanks, previous owners. That's how I wanted to spend Saturday. But, you know, as, as a comic book reading computer-driven drunk... Uh, yeah, lying on the floor trying to fucking drive a screw into wood. Also, can we talk like about... Like a fucking caveman. 
why we ended up buying this place and it's fine this was like the fifth place we saw where they designed a kitchen with a desk in it like built in on purpose it's a desk well uh, when i'm cooking i like to break up the experience with a little algebra (laughs) maybe do a word problem or two i i don't know i don't know i I asked my parents the same thing and they said once upon a time it was oh that's where all the the house bills were done you'd keep everything there and sit that's where the checkbook would be that's the 21st century. I don't have an actual checkbook. All I can picture is like the most ridiculous of helicopter parents parking their child there so they can ensure the homework gets done and they're not upstairs like FaceTiming with, you know, some pedophile or something. <laughs> okay. So that, that shows not only was the previous owner just a, a terrible homeowner, but a shitty parent because their child would have been fucking killed when that thing fell on them. <laughs> There'd be a dead kid in the kitchen. <laughs> Half done algebra on his French fries, <laughs> blood everywhere. <laughs> so not to get back into homeowner- anyway, <laughs> bitching about home ownership, but that's part of our show prep. That's uh, why you listen to us. <laughs> no, 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 nobody listens to this. So yeah, just we didn't have as much time to, to prep as we normally did. Also, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon. There is a rumor that there is some form of sporting event this evening. Sports ball. Uh, one related to to football. Mm. Um. Or for our listeners outside the United States, concussion ball, <laughs> um, uh, which is which is not a sport that we pay attention to. Amanda and I are not big sports. If anything, we're baseball. You know? Giant homunculus padded uh, sports concussion ball. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, just to differentiate it from from football and rugby. You know, we're not the the worst, most useless nineteen eighties geeks from Revenge of the Nerds. We <laughs> like baseball. Yeah. You know, we enjoy the Red Sox. I understand football. It's just it's not nearly as interesting to me. If I'm going to cosplay, it will be as someone who can fly. There you go. That's just how I part. <laughs> I do have a New England Patriots jersey uh, that was given to me, and I was told you can put whatever name you want on the back and whatever uh, jersey number you want. <laughs> and half the people who were part of this, I, I got it through my my day job, and half the people, I want Brady, 12. I'm like, no, I want Nexus, 6. <laughs> That's the truth. I've got I a know, Patriots right? I've jersey. I know. I've seen you wear it. <laughs> that has Nexus Six on it, and someday I'll forget to San Diego and just get ugly looks for the Patriots jersey, and then maybe a oh okay when they see the back. But uh, but it's look, we're gonna watch the fucking game. We're Americans. Yeah. Every American watches. I, I'm never clear on the radio rules whether we can actually say the name. The of big the game. game. We'll call it the big game, and I don't want to truck in any lawsuits. <laughs> Fine, the big game, whatever. But it's look, it's the one weekend of the year where you got a built-in excuse to go into work on Monday, completely fucking hungover and still stinking of like bourbon and nacho cheese, and nobody gives a shit. It's a once a year thing. You use it. Okay. Period. Um also the commercials are fun. Generally. It's <laughs> Well, last year they had that like awful depressing nationwide insurance thing. Well, th- that's the thing. I was gonna, a lot of people say, oh, half the commercials have already been released and you can see them on YouTube, but it, it's not the same. You have to sit there with, with no idea what's coming. Watching videos on your computer at your desk, yeah, they're never going to have that darkly humorous wallop of you're sitting on the couch on like beer fucking nine. You're loaded up with nachos and you get this. And I won't ever get married. I couldn't grow up because I died from an accident. <laughs> the fucking dead kid ad. <laughs> is on your we're, side. we're both shit-faced. You're like, did they just advertise a dead kid? <laughs> what the fuck are they selling? Nationwide, I see dead people. 
yeah, you got to see them live, half drunk. And, you know, yeah, it's fun to watch you know, 22 guys knock the shit out of each other. Nationwide, because you've been corpsed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wait, let me, do, <laughs> let me just do this. I couldn't grow up because I died from an accident. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> I couldn't grow up. Because I died from an accident. You're an imbecile. <laughs> Thanks for the downer, Timmy. Nationwide. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I'm the I couldn't grow up because I died from an accident. Now I can get as loaded as I want, which is pretty damn loaded. <laughs> that is sort of the dark, dark underside of that nationwide ad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, we, we gotta watch it just to get the commercials in real time. It's it's not the same if you don't do it. Yeah. So so yeah, we're, we're taping a little early and trying to keep it tight. And and we've done nine fucking minutes about keeping it tight. So <laughs> let's let's move right into it. Okay. Um, it's been we're on like week three of this DC rebirth thing. Uh, it's, it's been like two weeks uh, since the first rumors came out of bleedingcool.com about a DC event, a reboot, a relaunch, whatever the fuck it is. Mm. Um and 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 then right afterwards, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, the co-publishers of DC, uh, tweeted that rebirth picture, just the word rebirth over a blue curtain. Ever since then, there's been nothing official from DC, uh, except like a couple of tweets from Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Syver that there may be, probably, might be, sort of, could be working on it in some large, small, or no capacity whatsoever. <laughs> we really, we don't know. There's been nothing official from DC beyond these the, this picture. Now, I initially discounted the idea that Rebirth was some kind of huge event, like a reboot or something like that. I, I, my first guess a couple of weeks ago was that it was hype for a new Green Lantern movie because Jeff Johns had just done the DC Films uh, presentation before. Right. Uh, what was it? Arrow or yeah. Flash or something with Kevin Smith and announced that Green Lantern was going to be part of the the DC Films Justice League. So I figured, okay, that's that's probably what it is. But then a week goes by. And then I'm like, okay, well, based on those tweets from Johns and Van Syver, uh, okay, maybe it's a Batman Rebirth book. Uh, but now it's been two weeks, and you can't let this kind of hype and speculation go on for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> without something coming up, you know, you you can't do you know two weeks of excitement and then people say, oh yeah, no, it's a, it's a Jeff Johns uh, Van Syver uh, Batman Rebirth. I mean, the only good news about that is then you've got to pile stuff on it. It's like, uh, it also, uh, will have an ancillary book. It will be, uh, Keith Giffen, uh, writing and drawing Commissioner Gordon's mustache rebirth. Cause, <laughs> cause now he's not going to be Batman anymore. You, you know that like every other page would be a joke about a mustache ride, right? <laughs> I'm surprised it isn't now, frankly. Like with the ambush bug, like on like every fifth page. Look, but between, <laughs> between the missing mustache and the, high and tight haircut. <laughs> the main Batman title should just be like a filthy triple X Axel Braun porno parody <laughs> of itself. It almost writes itself it really if does. you're highly motivated. Thank God I'm not. At this point, I am pretty convinced that, that Rebirth is going to be something bigger than just oh, a new series or, or something like that. Because again, if if you allow the spin and the hype and the speculation for a couple of weeks... It's really counterproductive to then make it not a big deal. It'd be like if Steve Jobs took the stage and said, iPad, it is, in fact, like all the jokes, a feminine hygiene product. 
<laughs> yeah, if he'd done that, he'd have been killed like three years younger. <laughs> Holistic medicine is not any better at curing a savage fucking beating. It's really not. So he would have had a serious problem. <laughs> so I am kind of convinced there's going to be something bigger. And again, But all we have to go on is rumors. Now this week, again, Bleeding Cool is the source of all of these and... Man, am I going to feel stupid after we've talked about this for three weeks and finally saying, okay, I think it's something bigger. And it turns out to be, no, yeah, Batman Rebirth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel dumb. Just Batman. <laughs> but, but Bleeding Cool came out with a ton of rumors uh, this week. Uh, some of them very specific, some of them more general. And, uh, you know, uh, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> the The future of one of the big two publishers is kind of at play. So. All right. Let's run with it. Let's let's run with it and kick it around and see. Sure. <laughs> see how it feels. <laughs> we'll try it on like a new pair of pants. And then we'll fart through them and they belong to us. That's the rule, right? Try them on like a new pair of pants. And then if you're me, uh, you return them. <laughs> I could have swore I was that size. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, all right. So you want to go through some of these? Sure. Because, yeah, we, we talked about them briefly. I read through all of them religiously because all week long, I'm like, all right, we got a show to do. I'm hoping that DC will announce something specific and yet all this stuff showed up. So I'm kind of intimately familiar with a bunch of them, but you've just sort of gone through them kind of yeah, recently. So, recently. So some of these will be potentially surprising. Lay them on me, sweetie. All right. So <laughs> uh, the first one is a bunch of books are going to get canceled before this happens. Kill Surprise. Well... Whether whether some of them are going to be canceled to create room for things or they were on the cancellation block anyway, uh, it's sort of getting wrapped up in, in yeah. the whole general thing. So uh, the first one, uh, we'll go through them. Batman, Superman, which actually kind of surprised me because mm. it seems a little counterintuitive to cancel the book with the name closest to the movie coming out. Yeah, unless, well, do, do we know, you said everything's going to go to like issue 52, right? And when's that going to be? Uh, That should be, uh, I think it's May. And when is the movie coming out? Coming out in March. So, yeah, they can wrap it up because the movie will have already been out. That's not one that's going to, to 52. The okay. only ones that are going to make it to 52 are ones that were part of the initial oh, New 52 okay. launch. So anything that came out afterwards is not going to make it to 52. Batman will, Superman, action comics. Got it. The stuff that was in the first wave. So, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but if the movie's already going to have been out for two months, then th their work is done. <laughs> True. And considering even Watchmen couldn't seem to get anybody into a comic store to buy anything but Watchmen. Yeah. The idea that, oh, even if Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice is better than everyone who, <laughs> I'm still hoping for the best for it, but there's a lot of people who saw Man of Steel <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, Zack Snyder is running around butthurt on the internet, like going, I, "My Superman is canon. I understand Superman." <laughs> That's, I, again, I'm I'm one of the people who defends that movie, and I'm tired of fucking defending it all the time. <laughs> I can believe I've said it a million times. He's a version of Superman. Nobody taught him to be Superman. His parents told him to hide his powers so he could be free in 21st century America. Jor-El didn't teach him shit. He didn't find his fucking crystals to anybody help him. And then Kryptonians show up and he's just trying to do the best he can with no training. He doesn't even know how to fight. He's trying to fight military people. People trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the same fucking powers he has. 
What are you going to do if that guy's going to start killing people? I so can't wait until Benari's on the show talking oh. about this with you. <laughs> so can't wait. Yeah, Benari Poulton, who's who's been part of our last few movie shows, <laughs> has such a fucking mad on over Man of Steel <laughs> and has has just pre-hated Batman versus Superman to a level that, even if it's spectacular, I can't imagine him walking out of it going anything, but uh, it's still not what I wanted. I'm just gonna I don't want to like... put words in Benari's mouth, but... But we've got him preliminarily for a guest for the show the week Batman versus Superman opens. It's going to be fucking spectacular. I'll put a bowl of, of chocolate-covered espresso beans on the table for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll get Watch wired. go full cornholio. Wired up like last week. <laughs> it's just going to be us <laughs> screaming at each other. He was wrong and you knew it! <laughs> but <laughs> Coming in March. <laughs> full cornholio. Yeah, but... Okay, let's back away from from Man of Steel. I can kind of understand why you would cancel this because the Batman-Superman comic is much more about their partnership, whereas all indications of the Batman-Superman movie is that it is much more about punching each other in the dick. So having one after the other, probably not utterly necessary. The dick, you say? Uh, Punching in the dick. Mm. If you're Batman and Superman is in front of you, if you don't go for the balls first, that's your last best hope, <laughs> despite your armored suit. So you've given this a great deal of thought. Well, we talked about this a while ago when we talked in our one of our first shows where we talked about Batman versus Superman and mm. how it might be smart up to a point to go in the footsteps of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Frank put a lot of thought in what circumstances would it take for Batman to even be remotely competitive to Superman? And it required nuclear winter to block out his powers and a whole bunch of shit to get to get Superman depowered enough for this to make any sense. I believe you when you say we had this conversation, but I was very drunk for those shows. Uh, we're very drunk for most shows. Okay. This is a rare one since it's <laughs> early afternoon. It's We're drinking water. So, Shh, don't ruin the mystique. That, that's all right. We'll be shit-faced next week and every okay. other week after that. It'll be fine. But... Happy Valentine's Day. We're shit-faced. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. This is talking about Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool's a good son of a bitch. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I'm an alcoholic. Anyway, um, another one getting canceled, uh, Superman Wonder Woman. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm kind of fine with it now. I really liked the book more than I thought I would when Charles Sewell was writing it. But that guy tends to elevate just about everything. I just opted out of it entirely. I, it just it just felt like unnecessary shipping, and I just didn't. Well, the, the whole Superman-Wonder Woman relationship is one of those things that, yes, it, of course it's shipping, and of course it's something that everybody talked about in the schoolyard when you were in seventh grade. And of course, eventually somebody would say, why don't we explore that? Completely ignoring the fact it was explored in Dark Knight Strikes Again. It was explored in Kingdom Come. It's been explored. (laughs) Three years of exploration. You're no longer exploring. At that point, you're officially in the, you're halfway to the seven year itch. It's not exploration (laughs) anymore. So, yeah, I'm glad that the relationship is apparently over, although in this week's Action Comics, spoilers, Superman at least partially gets his powers back, and Wonder Woman is there, and everybody seems happier. So, I don't know, they may try to yank it back for one last great gasp before 
punching the defibrillator that it is maybe rebirth. Because again, this is all still fucking rumors. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's the, the the time for this is over. As yeah. long as this relationship is over, the the guy writing it who brought some real juice to it, it has moved on. I'm I'm okay with this one going. Yeah. Uh, this one I'm not. Grayson. I yeah, that upsets me. Yeah, I mean, considering we saw Dick get back into his Nightwing costume uh, in in the last, I think it was the final page of the last issue of Titans Hunt. Yep. It's only it's only a matter of time, I think, before he goes straight back to the Batman family. That said, this is as interesting as Dick Grayson has been since he probably became since he became Nightwing back in the eighties. Yeah, to be fair. No, they've given him really cool stuff to do with good writers and good art, making a really entertaining book that. When it first came out, I'm like, yeah, it's Dick Grayson with a gun. You don't get it. No, they, they get the character. It's- they, they do. And I, you know, I hope that they continue to have interesting stories for him to be a part of. It becomes so much harder when you have like four Robins running around and. <laughs> well, yeah. And with the Robin War thing and Batman and Robin Eternal. Yeah. The character is by nature being dragged back into the Bat family just because of these crossovers. Yeah. I do think it would have worked best the way it was initially. Okay, he's just off in spiral with reporting to Batman on the sly and having Batman then be missing. Yeah. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff there. But look, Robin War, I've generally enjoyed. Batman and Robin Eternal, I've been enjoying, I think, more than I enjoyed Batman Eternal. Mm. But yeah, needs are as needs must. And (laughs) that, that means they're... Gonna put him back in spandex, if only to show off his ass. Because that's apparently what we do with Dick Grayson. (laughs) I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. (laughs) Grayson did a a relatively good job showing off his ass. Uh, He doesn't have to exclusively be in the Bat family to show his ass. (laughs) This conversation... (laughs) I did this to myself. You did. <laughs> and I'm just speaking on behalf of those of us that have enjoyed looking at Dick Grayson's ass. Dick Grayson, everybody. For a $10 <laughs> all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss the book, even though the uh, Tim Seeley and Tom King are going to be off it in an issue or two anyway. Yeah. And it was it was that creative team, particularly Tim Seeley, who was there right from the beginning, right. that made it such a compelling read. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, that book I'm going to miss. Uh, this one, I think you'll probably miss more than I did, although I enjoyed it, but Starfire apparently is getting canceled. That is such a... Again, a the, all rumors. Fucking stone bummer. I cannot even... <laughs> it's just, just <laughs> it's it's just a rumor. It may not be happening. It's such a fun book. It's... <laughs> I mean... The, it, I, I've been enjoying it, but it's, it's, it's never at the top of my pile. For anybody who complains about, like, grim, gritty, dark in comics, read Starfire. <laughs> yeah, For, it, it's definitely fun. Yeah, it's it's just such a, a breath of fresh air. It's it's the the ensemble they've established around her of non powered characters is is unique. Um, it takes place in the Florida Keys. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So it's it's an unusual setting for a comic book. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, I've enjoyed it. it. It never hit the top of my pile. I know you really liked it. The yeah. When we went to Boston Comic Con, you got a commission of Starfire. I did. <laughs> I did. I have um Sarah Richard uh kindly did a commission for me of Starfire saving Dexter from a tree. It's it, awesome. It's really cool. <laughs> but so yeah, it's a I'll miss that one. 
because it, I've enjoyed it, but it's it's one of the, it's kind of been slight to me, and slight in the sense that oh, this is fun to read, but not hugely continuity driven and not crucial. Yeah. So I'll miss it, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I'll get over all of these one way or the other, but that one I'll get over. Uh, as I'll get over Black Canary, that really didn't hook me in at all. Yeah, I, I, I should have been the target audience for that, and I didn't really read it. So. Well, not necessarily, because they were clearly bat-girling Black Canary. Mm-hmm. You know, Batgirl of Burnside got a huge amount of press, and DC decided, oh, let's try to do the same thing for Black Canary, which is fine, but we've established we're not the target audience for no. Batgirl of Burnside. And yeah, Black Canary as head of an alternative band, you know, eh, are still 25. I think I read that when it was Dazzler. <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> I don't recall roller skates on Black Canary, but you no. Never but they know. they had a, a recent, not recent, but when they when they sort of rebooted um, Dazzler's character, she was sort of a goth punky rocker. <laughs> that is true. Just sitting here realizing that we are the only comics podcast operation that has not one but two volumes of the Essential Dazzler in in the house. Because that's how I roll. <laughs> On skates. Poorly. Apparently. Poorly. <laughs> I didn't actually have, well, I, the only reason I had roller skates, like, did you have roller skates? I roller skated. I grew up in the 80s. Everybody roller skated, at least from time to time. In order to... We didn't have the internet. You go to the roller rink to play Pac-Man and look he... sideways at girls that you'll have to wait five or six years to figure out how to talk to. My parents were too cheap to take me to the, the roller rink. Oh, good. It's an Amanda <laughs> childhood story. Buckle in. So in order to... Where's my whiskey tunnel? <laughs> in order to, to have roller skates, um, you know how in comic books back in the day they would have the whole like, you know, sell these greeting cards and earn these fabulous prizes? Yes. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you've talked about this on the show I before. Did this. But... I, I did this. And um, I sold enough greeting cards that I was able to get um, strap-on roller skates they they were um, like a roller skates platform, and then you put them underneath your shoe, and then you tightened them with two bands across your your shoe because that was totally safe and going to provide all of the ankle support that you would need. I'm surprised you can walk today. <laughs> and then um, I I was so excited I got them on, and then I went down to the road, and because I lived on a back road in the middle of nowhere, I was unable to use them because there was nowhere smooth enough to actually get purchase. And- no. <laughs> Go anywhere without taking a digger in a pothole after about two feet. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say it's a, the old school. Uh, I tried to skateboard and then there was a pebble. <laughs> I got it. And then I couldn't really use it on my back deck because um, planks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! So after all of that, um, yeah, no, I. There's, but I sold cards to try to earn roller skates. Yeah, there's still to this day out on Route Two a roller skating rink. I'll take your roller skating. Would you? <laughs> I mean, I'll watch you. No, I'll lean up against the railing and smoke cigarettes and try to look cool. Because that's what I learned about cool in the 80s. That's how you were cool. You didn't skate, you smoked. You just sat there like you were too cool to skate. As opposed to too fucking uncoordinated. <laughs> fucking face plans. So anyway, that's my, my, my roller skate story. All right. <laughs> For your consideration... <laughs> Please consider paying for Amanda's medication. Clearly, <laughs> clearly she does not have enough. <laughs> but I'm not going to take like a whole ad out in variety or anything on it. 
I am. Oh, God. All right. So, <laughs> Dr. Fate also apparently being canceled. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. A, I gave that a shot, but uh, the first issue or two didn't really hook me in. It, it happens. It happens. It wasn't great. wasn't awful. And I just sort of faded out on it. Okay. This one I'm kind of bummed about because it, it was really growing on me was, uh, is Midnighter. I, that was one I, I, I tried to get into and it just wasn't grabbing me. It's initially it didn't, but the last few issues, it, it's really been growing on me. Okay. Steve Orlando, he would, he was writing a really cool sociopath and it felt like it was expanding on Warren Ellis's version mm. of the character. You know, as opposed to in a lot of books for a lot of years after Ellis left the authority, it was, you know, Hooter, it's Batman, he's fucking Superman. And that was the entirety of the character. Yeah. You know, smile. I'd like to punch you and then go sleep with Apollo, which is, hey, fine. But it's not exactly interesting. Right. This was a guy who, yeah, sexuality was a huge part of the character, but it didn't overshadow. I'm also a monster who really likes to hurt people. Yeah. And that's where I hook into the character. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was really working for me. This latest issue uh, brought Deadshot and Harley Quinn into it. So there was a battle there. Uh, reintroduced the idea that Midnighter was going to go after Henry Bendix from the original Stormwatch issues. Okay. So yeah, it's been pretty solid. And I was really beginning to get, okay, I'm getting into this. I'll have to go back and reread these then. Yeah, it's a, I think I think Midnighter was this week. Check, uh, check this week's take. I will. Uh, it was this week or last week. Okay. So... So yeah, it's a, that's the slate of what's supposed to be uh, canceled, at least between now and when this happens. Now when this happens, supposedly is going to be in June, uh, all the surviving books are supposed to get a rebirth issue before going back to number one. So okay. this on in its own way seems like, and again, this is all fucking rumors, <laughs> but it seems like uh, what DC was doing with... Uh, all new Marvel and then mm-hmm. all new, all different Marvel. It's a, you get a new number one and you get a new number one and you get it. So what's supposed to happen with this? So like Superman, as an example, would have issue 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In May, uh, in June, you'd get Superman rebirth number one. And then the next issue would be Superman number one. Got it. Again. <laughs> I get that they're following that Marvel model. It has worked for Marvel. But the problem is you have that many first issues, it completely devalues the idea of a first issue. Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, because the concept, I get the concept of if it's got a big number one on it, a reader knows it's an entry point. Yes, that's part of it. But the other part of first issues, particularly for readers who are older, Hmm. you know, is the idea that, ooh, collector's item. This could be something that has value. Yeah. And I certainly don't treat my comic comic books that way. I'm not one of those who, even during the speculation boom, oh, give me three copies, so hopefully one of them will be mint, but I can also read one of them. I don't buy into that. But if you, once, once everything has a number one all the time and it's constantly recycling the number one, having a number one, it's no issue, no different than having an issue with a die-cut cover. Right. Or a polybagged issue to try, oh, you don't know what you're going to get. And it's part of the draw is it might have some monetary value. And it, it feels cynical after a certain point. To me, it's a, oh, great, it's a first issue. But that, that concept of a first issue being worth something really only means something to the rubes at this point. I mean, the perfect example we're going to talk about the book this week is Spider-Man number one. <laughs> I mean, it's a first issue of a Miles Morales' Spider-Man. But it's the third first issue for that character. Yeah. 
and that character's only existed for four and a half fucking years. That that's not right. <laughs> it we don't need that many first issues. No. It's, I get the reason why they're doing it, but it's really starting to grate on me yeah. from from both houses. It's not everything needs to be constantly recycled. Two houses, both alike in fuckery. <laughs> Gathered here in Fair Comics. Showtime. Showtempos. Why, you weren't going to let me have my friggin' Shakespearean chorus moment? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. Clap, bitch. <laughs> uh, and then Juliet... <laughs> Juliet walks to the balcony and says, Why do you hate America? <laughs> I don't. We're going to watch a football game. We get drunk later. That's as American <laughs> as you can get. All right. Back to, again, we want to try to keep this tight. All right. So back to the rumors. Yes. Again, these are all rumors. This, if there's a disposable show that we could just drop off the rolls, it's, this is the all rumor show that could turn out to be bullshit and we'll just pretend it never happened. <laughs> all right. All rumors, all new, all different, all rumors. I couldn't grow up. Jesus. Because I died from an accident. That's. <laughs> Miles Morales, everyone. <laughs> I think I'll be getting to get fatigue hysteria. This is why I do this show drunk. I need, need a little something to take the edge off. Otherwise, I'd lose it. All right. So, some more specific rumors. Again, just rumors. Uh, Tom King, who is a co writer of Grayson. Uh, and Omega Men uh, is supposedly going to be taking over Batman. And Batman supposedly is going to be going bi-weekly. Okay. Now, I get why they would move Batman bi-weekly. It's DC's biggest selling book. Uh, it's the only one that's regularly in the top 10 uh, for sales. So, hey, we'll make it go twice, and we'll theoretically sell twice as many. <laughs> I get that. I don't think that math necessarily works out. Uh, we are unique. And when I say we, you and me, Amanda, we're unique in that uh, we make a pretty good living. We don't have any children. Uh, our cars are paid for. We don't have a lot of consumer debt. And we do a comic book podcast, which means we, we just have to fucking buy everything. Yeah. It's, yep, okay. It's uh, Batman could be something we want to talk about this week, so we got to get it. We get a huge take Every week. A ridiculously huge take. Yeah, because of the nature of who we are and the kind of life we lead and, yeah, the fact that we do this show. Most people are not us. Right. You know, these books are between 4 and $6, depending on, right. you know, if it's a big special event or there's some backup story. I think what happens is, oh, okay, this is now twice a month. It had better be really fucking good for me to spend $8 a month on it. And yeah, the sales numbers will go up because you'll get the diehards. There are people like us. Mm -hmm. Not just like us who buy everything, but there are people out there who are like, Batman! <laughs> Batman! I must have Batman! And they will buy it no matter what. They could hate it. They could hate it. But they're completists, and they will continue to get it and at least bitch about it until it becomes good again. Buy it just so they can rub their balls on it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it, it's a it's a hobby for everybody. <laughs> it's a particular niche fetish, but hey, you know they're out there. Hey, kids, comics <laughs> for your balls. <laughs> but the, the numbers will go up because of people like us and the Batman completists. But the 
total number of readers I think will go down. And I think what they'll find is over time, the numbers will sort of drop and say, all right, well, for creative reasons, we're bringing in a new team. So we're going back to once a month and they will find themselves in a position worse than when they started. So I get why they do this. Yeah, that shit. They did it with Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man after uh after one more day uh became three times a month. Yep. And the numbers exploded. But part of what they also did was they canceled all the other Spider-Man books. So if you're a Spider-Man fan, now you had to buy Amazing Spider-Man. Whether you liked it or not. That was your fix. Yeah. So it looked like Amazing Spider-Man was having this huge resurgence. See? Everyone loves One More Day. Well, no, I like Spider-Man. You took the other ones, asshole. <laughs> That's all I got. So, to rub my balls on. <laughs> my balls are on Spider-Man. <laughs> you can't expect my balls to be on Spider-Man for long. <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs> I go reach it for a sound effect. I don't know what sound effect goes with my balls are on Spider-Man. The soft clap, sweetie. The soft okay. clap. My balls are on Spider-Man. It's the sound of, of balls hitting Spider-Man. <laughs> this, is, this is a message vis-a-vis my balls. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And I have a message for you. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. I've really lost my shit. You really have. But I love you. I had a point. I had a point. Yes. And the the point is, yeah, you can manipulate things to make it look like, ooh, now Batman's number one. But in the long run, I don't think it necessarily works. Also, you throw on top of that, yes, Batman has been your number one book for three, four years. That's because it was written by Scott Snyder with Mm -hmm. art by Greg Capullo. That's a one-of-a-kind team. And it was exceedingly well-written and exceedingly well-drawn, and that's why it was number one, no, not manipulation of market forces. Yeah. Now, Tom King, he's relatively new to comics, or at least to, to comics that I've seen. Uh, and he's done some promising stuff as as part of the team on Grayson. That's been really good. Vision for Marvel Comics. Yeah. I shouldn't give a fuck about The Vision. That's a fucking awesome book. Yeah, The Vision... <laughs> And I actually, I should give a shit about Vision because I've said repeatedly, it's like my first comic book was Spider-Man and Scarlet Witch. My next comic book was the next issue of Marvel Team-Up and it was Spider-Man Vision. <laughs> so Vision's one of my first here. I'd never give a fuck about the Vision. Who cares about the Vision? I didn't care about the Vision in Age of Ultron. I fucked the Vision. Tom King's Vision is a really good fucking book <laughs> to the point where I hadn't added it to my polls and I went to grab it this week. I'm like, oh shit, they're out of it. So I had to add it to my polls to make sure I, and then watch Tom King go exclusive to DC and I was like, no, get it off my polls. I don't care about the vision. I like Tom King's vision. But, <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, we'll there's by the trade. <laughs> yeah. They're, all right. But there's re- I don't have bookshelf room for that either. <laughs> Our bookshelves are filled with fucking Dazzler books. Just two. <laughs> but they're two. big, fat phone book books. They're essentials books. Yeah. So, all right. So there's <laughs> there's hope for Tom King on Batman. I've got some hope for it. But, yeah, to go bi-weekly with an untested writer and, again, just a rumor. But even that rumor doesn't say who's drawing the fucking thing. And you're not going to have a single artist at bi-weekly. It's going to have to either be a crew that rotates or, yeah, you're going to have to throw money at Mark Bagley who can just <laughs> – the guy draws like he, somebody's got his hand in his back. Keep drawing, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he draws great stuff. I'm not sure his style is. His style is a great match for Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, for Batman, I'm not sure he'd be the guy. Oh, we'll have to see. No, we're not seeing. This isn't even part of the rumor. This is just me <laughs> pulling Mark Bagley's name. It's like who the fuck could draw a biweekly book? Mark Bagley could. Yeah. 
So I see what yeah, you're saying. Mark Bagley is officially not part of this rumor. I mean, all of the female characters will look like Mary Jane from Ultimate Spider-Man. But... And and that is okay. But again, he's not part of this rumor. I pulled his name out of my ass trying to think of who could do a I mean, bi-weekly He drew Wonder book. Woman for some book for a while and it looked like Mary Jane yes. from Ultimate Spider-Man. I've lost control of this show. <laughs> I'm Mark, sorry. Mark Bagley, <laughs> not a part of this rumor. Only Tom King. Forget I said Mark Bagley. Okay. All so, right. yes, it's going bi-weekly to get the numbers up with an untested... Fuck it. Okay. I've made my point. <laughs> the other rumor is that Peter Tomasi is going to be taking over Superman, which also will supposedly <laughs> be bi-weekly. Now, okay. I, I like Peter Tomasi. Yeah. Uh, his Batman and Robin was probably my favorite Batman book coming out of the new 52. And we talked about it last week, except for that first issue where he had bat poles and shit. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, he's going full Batman 66. No, it it got a lot better and was really solid. Unfortunately, after a while, Tomasi was also the guy carrying the torch for Batman, just working incessantly to bring Damien back from the dead. Right, now, right. I like that less, but it's not Peter Tomasi's fault that Damien sucks and I fucking hate him. <laughs> so I can't I can't hold him personally responsible for that. No. No. But oh, yeah. Damien. Yeah, he's he's you know, as it said in the bleeding cool article, he's a good he's a known quantity. He's a good workman. He does good solid craft mm-hmm. and he's done some really interesting stuff that I've liked. But also at the same time I'm sitting here going, you know, Greg Pack's really been kicking the shit out of Superman in action comics for a while. Yeah. Now, I know I, I follow that a little bit more closely than you do. It's certainly not ever at the top of my pile, and I, I miss it now and again. But, but yeah, I mean, particularly this latest issue, again, spoilers, where Superman just about gets his powers back finally. Yeah. The way Pack writes the sheer joy of, I can fly under my own power but at the same time, he's in constant terrible pain because the way he got his powers back was he gave himself sort of a meatball amateur course of chemotherapy with kryptonite to try to kill the weakened cells that Vandal Savage, you know, he weakened some of his cells to take his powers away. But it's the, just the joy of this is, this might not be good. And, and this really kind of hurts, but I feel like me again. I think he's been doing a really good job on action comics. Would have liked to see, give him the full nut. Yeah. But well, again, Tomasi's solid. He is solid. And again, these are just rumors. Yeah. And uh, Tomasi will get me to pick up the, the spider, the Spider-Man, the Superman main title, mm-hmm. which I, which I haven't since, uh, Jeff Johns was writing it. Okay. Uh, cause again, Superman, Superman is one of those weird ones where I, I usually find what's going on in action comics a little bit more interesting because Superman is, you know, it's one of the big titles, right. and uh, oh god, I'm, there's more interesting stuff going on in the secondary one. Yeah, okay. But just just for me, not always, and that's not a one to one rule. But that's that's kind of how I find myself. I find myself over the course of decades picking up and finding action comics more interesting more often than Superman. That that's valid. Or I could be pulling that out of my ass. It seems to be a show for that. But no, it's uh, uh, looking back. Yeah, I'd say I probably I have more issues of action than Superman. Okay. So, fine. Keep Greg Pack on action. I'll I'll be happy over there. Then we'll see what I'll I'll tune in to see what Tomasi does with Superman, but shit, even when Jeff Johns had Superman, it's like let's give him a new power. No, you don't have to do that with Superman to make him interesting for Christ's sake. Ugh. How do you really feel? I just I again I, I like this issue. It's all right, finally, give him his powers back for Christ's sake. <laughs> Let's make him Superman again. 
All right. Uh, other rumors were closing in on the uh, the last of them. Uh, apparently, they are going to. The the rumor is, and I tend to believe it at this point, that there are at least going to be elements of a reboot. Okay. Uh, to this whole thing, maybe not a complete Crisis on Infinite Earths, Flashpoint, New Fifty Two. Oh, everything is completely different, but there, there'll be some of it. Uh, there's going to be a new Teen Titans book okay. uh, with Damien as the leader of the team. I know how I feel about that. I feel that he should show his heroism by valiantly remaining dead. Yeah, walking in front of a bus. But, but yeah, it's so. Well, that ties into like the one of the latest uh, trailers that dropped recently for the DC animated movies is the Titans, one that Damien will be a significant part of because Trigon is going to be taking over the minds and actions of the Justice League and it's left to the Titans to save the world and, and save their mentors. Okay. See, I hadn't looked specifically into that one. Um, yeah, I'd seen the, the headline that it was going to be Teen Titans versus Justice League, but yeah. I hadn't seen anything. Damien specific is supposed to it. come up with some sort of master plan to take out Superman because Damien. <laughs> Fucking Damien. Fucking <laughs> Son of a bitch. Anyway, um, this one uh, is more encouraging. Uh, supposedly, there's going to be a new Justice Society of America book. Sweet. Uh, that is actually on whatever Earth One is okay. after this rebirth happens. Certainly, I, I have an, a concept of Earth One and Earth Two after multiversity and after convergence but uh, even that's shaky and after rebirth could be more shaky but yes it's going to be a mainstream awesome justice society book which we have not had that's not been part of continuity since flashpoint we had justice society characters but they were kind of the jla of earth 2 and at one point james robinson uh who was writing the earth 2 book he, he said something in a convention where he said he wasn't even allowed to use the word society. It was, wow. you can use these characters, but they're modern versions and you get to do cool things with that. But yeah, there's no World War II. There's no legacy. And that was really always yeah. after, after crisis that you know, DC got this reputation of, oh, legacy is part of the line. I don't think it ever was before crisis. And we've talked about this before. I think Wally West becoming the flash mm -hmm. cemented that. But I think also, taking the Justice Society out of Earth 2 and making them the World War II kind of Roy Thomas yeah. All-Star Squadron era that inspired modern heroes was a big part of what gave DC that reputation and that feeling. So I'm, yeah, if that's in fact what they're doing, if any of these rumors are true, which will save the 50th time, but, but that I'm looking forward to. I don't, I don't think there's any creative team on it uh, or anything, but that team... Gave that legacy feeling to DC in a way that Marvel has never really been able to reproduce. Now, despite the invaders, uh, or the blue Marvel, I'll, I'll spot you Captain America. <laughs> that gives it a feeling of legacy, but, yeah. but that's really about it. Okay. So, uh, and supposedly, yeah, everyone at DC is, and again, just a rumor, but they're being asked to pitch all new ideas. Apparently, the plan for everything apparently is, People can pitch brand new things for any characters. And if editors like the pitch, they might go forward to it. And if readers like the book, then okay, that particular property has been, air quotes, rebooted. Ah. And this is the new normal. But, but it won't necessarily be with everything. Oh, so they're being a little selective. They're not going to be like Jennifer Jason Lee in the back of the taxi cab at the end of Last Exit to Brooklyn. 
just taking on all comers. <laughs> At this point, whenever you say Jennifer Jason Lee, I only picture her <laughs> spitting on the Lincoln letter. <laughs> yes, we just saw the hateful eight. Uh, Tarantino's best in a while. Uh, but that's not the point, goddammit. I've got a pitch. Uh, okay. Blackest Nort. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, write that one down. <laughs> That's a good title. Pay me, DC. <laughs> but it, it's weird. It's a, okay. I get that. It's a, we'll, we will call this a time where we will try absolutely anything, and people can pitch completely new directions for books, and that may become the new normal if people write them. But how the fuck is that any different than what's been going on for the last yeah. year, eighteen months of DC? Anyway, you got Batgirl of Burnside. Uh, you've got Black Canary, the band leader, and that got canceled. Whether that continues as a concept, who the fuck knows? But you've got Robo Bunny fucking Batman. You've got the depowered t-shirt fucking Superman. Constantine the Hellblazer with a shorty bathrobe of trench coats. <laughs> shorty bathrobe. <You know, laughs> beyond the hype of rebirth, if what this rumor says is how they're going to proceed, I don't know how that's any different than what's been going on with DC for a while. And except for the the ebb and flow that seems to happen at DC fucking editorial of, we're going to try this thing. No, we're not. We're going to let you do this. No, actually, we're giving this book to somebody else. It's yeah. Just write a good book. Well, yeah, a year and a half ago, <laughs> it was, wow, uh, Batgirl is real. People really enjoy that. Great. We're going to try that with a whole bunch of shit. And then the rumors started coming out about six or eight months ago of, oh, no, 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 no. Everything has to be brought back more toward tradition because we want that for the movies and the DC film things. And so everything's going to move back toward more normal. But now we have Rebirth where it's, hey, pitch whatever new shit you want. I, with God is my witness, I don't understand what's happening at DC <laughs> Editorial. And I haven't for about five fucking years. That's valid. And you just keep hearing stories of, oh, it's this wonderful environment that, fuck them, they made me quit. And, <laughs> oh, they they took my pitch for this new book, and uh, it's really going to be exciting. It's, Wait, who's writing it? Who's taking it over? <laughs> I just... <laughs> and, and all this gets laid at Dan DiDio's feet. And I don't know whether that's <laughs> that's legitimate or not. But all I know is Dan DiDio hasn't been editor-in-chief at D.C., since before the new 52. It's true. Demote him. <laughs> Put him back at the... Because I like the shit. When he was editor-in-chief, you got Blackest Night. You got some interesting shit. It, it wasn't all, you know, wasn't all Picasso's. Final Crisis didn't set the world on fire. Um, Honey, Ted Cord died under, under whose watch? Oh, fuck the end of the deal. I hope he fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> It's one thing Dan and I will see eye to eye on <laughs> is his treatment of Justice League International characters. But just, uh, just before you were getting all like you know lovey dovey there and and having a virtual bromance with Dan DeNeo, I just needed to remind you what's what. <laughs> all I know is I saw on YouTube this week somebody posted a video of MTV in the Marvel fucking bullpen <laughs> in 1992, and one of the people they talked to was Bob Harris, who I think was at least decent enough to be the only one who didn't have the worst mullet uh, in human history. Uh, but it, just he's sitting back with his legs on his desk, crotch exposed as if unto the world. Oh, yeah, now the boy's got to get some air. <laughs> there are better ways to do it. So, yeah, it's just the... Bob Harris picture in my head this week is particularly <laughs> negative and crotch forward. 
Hi, we're MTV, and let's go into Bob Harris's office. For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> Crotch forward. Oh, all right, so. It feels like it should be somebody's campaign pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Commander-in-chief material. Crotch forward. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's all the rumors. <laughs> that's all the DC rumors I, just I got. keep flinging shit around the home office. That's I, fine. I don't know. <laughs> I really want DC to succeed. It's in the eighties. I was a DC guy. Almost everybody I knew was a Marvel guy. I was a DC guy and I had good reason for it. It's the company that's coming out with dark Knight returns and Watchmen and Sandman and really interesting stuff. And for the first time, it's a brand new continuity that I could understand and be a part of right from the beginning. I want DC to succeed. There's nothing wrong with that. They can start any fucking time now. <laughs> Where's my whiskey funnel? All right, you want to talk about a couple of actual comic books as yes. opposed to just rumors? Yes. And me shrieking into the wind, DC! <laughs> Succeed. It's like the end of Shane. DC, <laughs> come home! <laughs> uh, I have a message for you, DC. He says that he's an a-hole, but he's not, and I'm quoting him here, 100% a dick. <laughs> Do you hear me, DC? They got my dick message! All right. <laughs> Ironically, using lines from a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Rob ranting, everybody. Let's talk about some actual comic books. Okay. Not rumors. These are actual things that exist in the world. We've got a couple of them here. Any particular one you want to start with? Well, since we've been talking about DC, why don't we start with the DC book? All right. Got Batman Europa, uh, number four, the final issue of this miniseries that we were really psyched when it first came out. Yeah. Uh, was really started strong. This particular issue written by Matteo Casali. Uh, I think that's. Uh, what kind of parents would name their kid that? Anna and Brian Azzarello. What kind of parents would name their kid that? And uh, art by Gerald Parell. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is the last. Oh, this is fatigue hysteria at its worst. I've really lost my shit. It's okay, honey. We're right. almost there. Uh, it's all right. So yeah, last issue of the miniseries. So yeah, we learn who's behind poisoning Batman and the Joker, uh, what the cure is, what the point is, whether it was worth our time and, uh, spoilers. It was kind of worth our time. I, kinda. I, I don't think it finished as strong. I don't think either of us think it finished as strongly as it started. No. Look, it's, it's another book where Batman and the Joker, it, it, it posits that they need each other. Yeah. And that was, when when that was sort of the big reveal in this issue, I'm like, haven't we done that already in like several books? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fine observation, but it's not like it's new. Yeah. <laughs> you know, off the top of my head, Alan Moore did it best in Killing Joke. Mm. And uh, Scott Snyder did it most recently in, uh, I don't know, the last issue of Batman. <laughs> the last issue of Batman that where, came out and was available yeah, in where, stores. Where Joker basically threatened to blow his head off if Bruce came back to being Batman. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, and I would even say, all right, doing it with a certain amount of empathy between Batman and the Joker is interesting and new, but it's not because, yeah, it's see again, Alan Moore killing joke. Uh, I will say this ending where instead of laughing together, Batman just follows his instinct and just attacks the Joker who's suddenly terrified. That was satisfying in its own way. Yeah. So I did like that particular how it wrapped up. It's it, and it felt more realistic even then the killing joke, which I know Alan Moore no longer stands by, but I will stand by it. It's a really good comic book story. 
Yeah, and uh, the reveal of Bane as the big bad. Okay, I didn't, I didn't quite see that coming, so that was a bit of a surprise. But then once, once that was the reveal, I was like, oh yeah, I should, I should have seen that coming. Well, <laughs> maybe should have seen it coming. I also didn't see it coming. Part of the problem is I don't fucking care about Bane. I've see, I like never, Bane. I've never. The only time I've ever liked Bane, and I think you and I will agree on this, Amanda, yes. is as part of Gail Simone's Secret Six. Yes. Pre Flashpoint, uh, I really liked that characterization. Okay, so I, I think, I think now that you're phrasing it that way, I'm fond of Bane because of that. Yes, but Bane as a Batman nemesis has never done anything for I, I know in Nightfall he was supposed to be a criminal genius who was a mental and physical match for Batman but the problem is I skipped most of fucking Nightfall yeah well and I think the idea here is you know he they're trying to set him up in that way again and this time not only is he breaking metaphorically Batman as he did, you know, when he broke Batman's back back in the day, he's breaking Batman and his greatest nemesis. Yeah, and fine. I, I, I get that he's. I get what Bane is supposed to be. I get. I get what he was meant to be. The problem. Nacho <sighs> Libre. <laughs> no. <laughs> now you've just made him worse in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, he was scraping low to begin with. <laughs> but, but no, it's, I get what he's supposed to be. But the, the problem is his great, his greatest tale was Nightfall. And it's something that I skipped because I, I was in my twenties in the mid nineties. I was old enough to know that death of Superman was a fucking grift. Yeah. And I also old enough to know that the breaking of Batman and the replacement of Batman was just another grift. They did the same thing. With Batman, they did with Superman. It's like, let's have this brand new entity come in to destroy the Batman. Well, I'm not interested in a new villain who cripples Batman. And I'm, I certainly wasn't interested in the as-bats, as-real Batman version of Batman. And yeah. in, unlike now, when I was 24, 25, I wasn't financially solvent enough to buy comic books that I just wasn't fucking interested in. So I get what he was supposed to be, but if you think about... What Bane has been used, Bane has been a mismanaged character in almost every medium since Nightfall. You know, what I picture when I picture Bane is Dark Knight Rises, where he's just a fucking tool for Talia. Yeah. I picture Batman and Robin, where he, I don't even think he can fucking talk. And he's just led around by Poison Ivy. He's been allowed to be just muscle. In, in most of the public's consciousness, he's just this muscle who comes in and kicks him back. That's, and that's not interesting. I recognize he's supposed to be something else, but at some point I recognize that, okay, it's a hole in my comic book knowledge. I should go back and read Nightfall. But even 20 years later, understanding the idea that, okay, we did this partially to put down the 90s bloodlust of, oh, Batman should be extreme with four X's, bring Rob Liefeld in. Fine, we'll give that to you and see how terrible it is. You don't want it. Well, okay, the problem with that is by nature, we're all admitting this is fucking terrible. Yeah. Why would I go fucking buy that? Even now, knowing it's a hole in my Batman knowledge, which means that when I picture Bane, on a good day, I picture Bane as, okay, somewhat noble team member of Secret Six. Okay. That's as good as he's going to get. Yeah. So when Bane's, oh, it's Bane. Oh, who gives a shit? All right, let's flip to the end and see what happens with Batman and the Joker. The art's beautiful. 
this is a fucking beautiful book. The, the they're <laughs> beautiful painted art. Like yeah, like I, I would like to find um Mr. Perel uh somewhere at a at a comic convention and if he had this artwork with him, I might be willing to pay for it to frame and put upon my wall. Yeah. It's, <laughs> if the art is more important to you in your comics than story, then this is an absolute must buy. It's an absolutely beautiful book. Now the layouts were done by Giuseppe Camincoli. Um, so he's had a hand in this too, to a certain degree, at least in terms of, you know, where, where figures are going to fall in a given panel. Was it layouts or breakdowns? Uh, layouts, I believe. Okay. Because, yeah, with, with this kind of painted art, I can't see somebody doing breakdowns on it, but sort yeah. of figuring out how to put it together. Either way, the book looks absolutely great. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, all right, Bane. <laughs> the concept is kind of retreaded. It's kind of a bummer that this is where we wound up with. And he, even with the writing, Brian Azzarello tries to give Batman some hard-boiled Raymond Chandler 40s detective story lines and yeah. they just sort of stick out. They don't, I wrote a couple of them down. I barely put two and two together before he does the same with Joker and me. <laughs> and uh Merchants and Thieves, those names are interchangeable depending on who's doing the naming. And that doesn't that's not Batman. Batman no, is fucking Sherlock Holmes, but not that's, Philip Marlowe. That's Brian Azzarello. Uh, yeah, but it's he's Telling picking a crime story. He's picking the wrong detective to make him. I I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that's that's this you can give that pretty much entirely to Azzarello. Yeah, and maybe I'll give him some credit. Maybe he wanted to explore more of a 1930s 40s LA flatfoot as opposed to the classic you know Sherlock Holmes mm. in tights i guess <laughs> i give him credit for all right if that's the idea it just it really doesn't work it's the same way philip marlowe is a creature of los angeles batman is a creature of gotham and is a much different darker city his origin is darker mm -hmm. he's he's not a sardonic knight in rumpled armor he's the fucking dark knight yeah yeah he's not gonna have a clever turn of phrase he's going to break your fucking head <laughs> so it, and it, it wasn't all over the place. There were two or three instances in particular in this issue where it really stuck out for me, where it didn't in some of the earlier ones. I mean, I think ultimately we're we're both kind of disappointed. Well, I mean, when you think about it, you've got Batman and, and Joker being forced to team up because there's something horrible happening to the two of them, and the only way out is through, so they have to work together. Who would possibly be a big enough nemesis for the two of them to have to have made the payoff work work and be worth it? And I'm having difficulty coming up with anybody other than maybe Razagul. No, fuck that. <laughs> no, it's it's simple. Okay, Batman and the Joker need each other, tied together, two sides of the same coin, duality. Yeah, let's get Bane to talk about that. Oh yeah, duh. Yeah, Two Faced. Now. <laughs> Two with Two Face, you don't get to have Batman traipse across Rome because that doesn't make any sense. You need somebody international. Well, that's why that's I think where my mind went to Roz. Yeah, and uh, Roz. Let's see. The problem is in Roz. In Roz's mind, he is the detective's greatest nemesis. Right. Well, you can Which, see that then, though, in terms of okay, if if spoilers uh the antidote is in, is within each of their bloods you know batman should let joker die because you know that's look here's a gift i gave you <laughs> yeah and and doing it that way uh, probably would have made sense 
certainly would have made more sense to me than than Bane. Bane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's if you have somebody angry about the duality between these two characters, yeah, this should have been a two face story. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's my two cents. But then yeah, you don't get the then it's not Batman Europa, it's Batman uh, Crime Alley or something. Batman uh, USA USA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna. We're going to go on a journey, Joker, to the, the end of the green line. Batman Route 66. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <all right. laughs> so, yeah, and it's it's just it's kind of a bummer because the first couple issues of this is like, wow, this is really cool. And I don't expect that from Brian Azzarello on Batman. Yeah. The, the, the stupid line I always use is, unless it's a crime story, Brian Azzarello shouldn't be allowed to write anything longer than his own name. And it, this started pretty strong and it just sort of sputtered. I, uh, okay, that, that's all this is. Perhaps he's spread a little thin with the Master Race. The Master Race, uh, even that's sort of cracking for me already. Well, it's just it. Like, how, how much, if you've got a fairly high profile book like that and you've got side projects, how much effort do you have to expend on anything? Uh, I guess. <laughs> that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we should go with Blackest Nort. <laughs> Everything's dis- <laughs> disappointing today. Everything. <laughs> All right. One more book. Spider-Man number one. <laughs> Again. Make uh, mine Marvel. <laughs> written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Sarah Pacelli. So we've got the same writer-artist team who created the character back in 2011. Yes. His first first issue. <laughs> 2011, and he still hasn't managed to graduate high school. Uh, well, at least he's in high school. <laughs> Let's remember, in 2011, he was still in junior high. That's true. That's and true. We had a time jump somewhere around <laughs> the second first issue. Although, basically, reading this book, I kind of understand why he hasn't graduated yet. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a little busy. A little summer school in this man's future. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is the first issue of his own book where he's part of the Marvel Universe, and apparently being part of the Marvel Universe changes absolutely nothing nope. about the character. <laughs> And that's distracting to me. I mean, look, I I get that Marvel is using Miles Morales as a way to have old school teenage Spider-Man soap opera type stories. Yes. Great. Peter Parker can progress. His continuity can move on. But yet we can have good old Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man in high school stories. I get that. But what's distracting me about this? Well, all right, before we do that, let's let's talk about this, not in what it could be and not in what I'm missing, but as a Spider-Man book. And I, okay. I, I think it's pretty solid. As a Spider-Man book, yeah, it hits the notes that you would expect. Yeah, it's, it's like as an old school Stan and Ditko, yep, he's in high school and he has problems and being Spider-Man is affecting his grades. And it's Miles a, is unlucky in love. Yeah, it's affecting his relationship with his parents. Uh, well, at least with his mom. Well, yes. dad, dad knows his secret. That's that's right. So, <laughs> but that also is uh, well. Actually, that's a question. Does dad still know his secret? It's implied because, well, actually, no. And, they say in the they say on like the the intro page or something. Oh, uh, I hardly ever read the intro page. Yeah, it's like dad knows and his best friend knows. Yeah, well, clearly Ganke. I've I've never known how to pronounce it. Ganky Ganke. His best friend's name Gank. <laughs> like the Tuscaloosa armpit gank. Hi, my name's Gank. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> I go I go with Ganke in my head. 
ganky. Yeah. High schooler Miles Morales was bitten by a stolen genetically altered spider that grants him incredible erectin lake powers. This is a secret he has shared only with his best friend, Gank, and his father. <laughs> Gank is helping Miles <laughs> figure out how to be Spider-Man. It's way harder than it looks. So, um, See, I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt uh, because of the thing I'll complain about in a minute and say, oh, no, maybe everybody's reset and doesn't remember things from the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, dad knows, which is why dad shuts down mom's ranting at him about, oh, you must, are you on drugs, Miles? Why are your grades so bad? Yeah, but <laughs> still, a, a Spider-Man where the the father figure is more understanding. Uh, yeah, the, the figure he'll be dead by <laughs> six. <laughs> Killed by a burglar. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's what this is leading into. It's like, all right, so we have what seems to be, you know, hitting the notes of a typical Spider-Man story. Miles is unlucky in love. Miles is not doing well at school. Miles is having difficulty figuring out how to balance his superhero life with his rest of his life. And then at the very end of it, we've got him up against what seems to be like just like a, a destruction level. <laughs> well, <it's>, of... <laughs> I, I did think it was an interesting choice to make his first the the first villain that showed up like an almost galactus level threat <laughs> like, yeah at the very least a magic based threat yeah. it's like you, all right here's your golden opportunity marvel you tried to do it with one more day but here's your golden opportunity a spider-man who's in high school you can have all those high school stories again he, wait he's fighting the son of the devil what the son of mephisto i mean if this brings mephisto back so that we can, <laughs> we can bring mary jane back now, Mary Jane right now is off traipsing about with Tony Stark in the Iron Man books. Oh, God. <laughs> because reasons. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've, I've missed the last couple issues of Iron Man. I, apparently that's okay. <laughs> but you've got Spider-Man, Peter Parker Spider-Man, putting in an apparent spoiler um, at the end of this book yeah. in, in almost like the Nick Fury type role to to young Peter Parker. There's a there's a implied paternalistic what the fuck are you doing <laughs> in his entrance? <laughs> well, even that I didn't get that. I did. <laughs> well, no, I I get what you're saying, but I didn't I didn't understand why why Peter Parker's there. Well, I get why he's there, but why is he taking this attitude? He's showing up after all this happened. He doesn't know what the fuck happened. Because Miles is wearing his fucking uniform, and there's a certain level of expectation that he has, rightly or wrongly. You're, yeah, but you're bringing that into it. There's nothing in this book to indicate that. It, I'm I'm inferring based on how Peter has been behaving towards Spider-Man, the brand, in the other books. <laughs> okay. Which I suppose makes sense. That to me, it was just, wow, he showed up and he's a dick. Dick Spider-Man. <laughs> Well, and also though, to be fair, we don't even know if it's if it's real Spider-Man or not. It could be he's got like a couple of people on his payroll right now running around wearing the spider suit. Uh, I suppose, but no, it says well. All right, whether this particular one, uh, yeah, it could be uh, what's it, Hobie, uh, yeah. the, the Panther. Yep. Uh, no, the Prowler. Prowler. Uh, yeah, they they should meet because well, yeah, they should meet because the Prowler was uh, was his uh, uncle in Ultimate Universe. Yeah. So that would be an interesting meeting, I suppose. I, Peter's attitude at the end of this issue didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Spider-Man's attitude. We don't know who's under that mask. Fine. Cocksucker's <laughs> attitude. Scumbag <laughs> douchewad. Whoever it is. Be that dick to Miles. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get that. I, I think they're they're trying to, and maybe it's forced, set up this tension of you're going to run around in my city being Spider-Man, then you've, there's some shit you got to learn. 
That's right. You got to get your shit together. I'm your goddamn partner! <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that makes sense, and that could be interesting. One thing I'm getting a little tired of with Miles is his venom sting being the magic bullet for whoever the fuck he faces. Yeah, well, and that seems to be right here. It's not the magic it's not the magic bullet because we we see him over here, you know, I will return and I will destroy you. He could be back. <laughs> oh, he'll be back, but it's a oh, it's a, it appears to have an excellent effect on your supernatural nervous system driving yeah. you away. Well, that's just it probably will come back to bite him sooner than later. Yeah, but it's just there've been two or three stories where oh, his sting is the magical thing that is going to be the thing that that stops the villain. And it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm a little tired of that little, it's becoming a trope to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nobody expects it. <laughs> Everybody should start expecting it. Is it the Spanish Inquisition? Uh, <laughs> nobody the, expects the Spanish Inquisition, from what I've heard. That's, that's the rumor. It's a thing. That is, the, I don't have, I don't have that sound <laughs> clip. I can't help you. Uh, now, who has fatigue hysteria? <laughs> yeah. All right. We're, we're both losing it. It's, look, the, the, I, I have some problems with this book and, Part of the problem that I have, and it, it's not fair, but it's it's what is missing from the book that I would like to see, and that is Miles Morales is the last survivor of the Ultimate Universe. I believe the implication in Secret Wars 9 is Molecule Man allowed him to understand that he did Molecule Man a solid by giving him a cheeseburger. And that's why he's allowing him to live and go on in this other universe. But he's in this strange place. It's a completely new world. He's an Avenger. Mm -hmm. His mother's alive. His father's not a dupe for Hydra. <laughs> and yet none of this seems remotely disturbing or confusing to him. I mean, <laughs> his mother's alive. When the McRib comes back, America loses his shit. But he's like, oh, hi, mom. Did you know all my friends from the all new Ultimates are dead? <laughs> Almost every friend I had, except for fucking Ganke. What kind of parents would name their kid that? They're all dead. Everyone I ever knew is dead. Gank. His name's Gank. Just Gank. It. <laughs> but I got Gank. <laughs> you should get that treated. I've been through a horrible fucking trauma, but I think I'm going to go try to get laid. All right. Thanks, Mom, who's suddenly alive. Bye. It's. My wingman is Gank. <laughs> Your wingman is ganked. <laughs> Who brought gank to the party? <laughs> but it's this book is coming a few. It's a few issues into other uh, post Secret Wars books. So we've we've seen Miles post Secret Wars for the last few months. He's been in uh, one of the Avengers books. I can barely keep track of any of them except for the Ultimates, which is Al Ewing's and mm. awesome. But we spent some time with him. Now that he's on the 616, and this guy is the sole survivor of a universe. He's surrounded by friends and family who aren't really his friends and his fucking family. That's a good story. Well, Molecule Man said he could, you know, come and live in, in this new 616. He didn't say anything about, like, you know, leaving his brain unmolested or... <laughs> and, and maybe that's the case, but it, it certainly didn't seem like he was having his memory erased as he walked past Molecule Man into the Ultimate Universe to then go swing around with Spider-Man. Yeah. 
I recognize, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe there was some story somewhere I missed, or there's something I'm forgetting where it's like, oh no, I'm going to wipe your memory so you feel like this is this is my gift to you. It's just a brand new home, but I, I don't remember seeing anything about that. Or, or maybe there is stuff that's going on under the hood that he hasn't addressed here and will be part of whatever teenage angst speech he gives Peter Parker in the next issue after Peter Parker finishes chewing him out for no particular reason. Well, and that's the thing. I, I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's here or in some other book, I mean... But that would also feel cheap, too, because then that just gets into, like, exposition and telling and not showing, so... Yeah, but it's... It, if you want to show a young Spider-Man who's under stress, fuck his superhero and getting, getting in the way of his schoolwork. Show him trying to deal with people who are almost, but not quite, the people he's known all his life. Yeah. Show him dealing with, with the fact that you know, he's dealing with his buddy, Gank. Gunk. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Gork. But it's not really him. His friend's dead. Gank beta. <laughs> He's dealing with his mom, who he watched die. Yeah, that the, would fuck me up. He's on the Avengers with Tony Stark, who was one of the people who started the sequence of events that killed everyone <laughs> he ever knew in his life. Yeah. And it's maybe I'm getting it wrong. Maybe he's supposed to have his memory wiped. Maybe Molecule Man said, oh, everybody you ever met, I'll dump into this universe so that, you know, so that you, Miles Morales, who gave me a cheeseburger, can feel no guilt whatsoever and that everybody you know has survived this. Where is the survivor's guilt in that case? Because not feeling empathy for strangers because he has what he wants, that's the definition of how Peter Parker was before Uncle Ben got shot. Mm. It's a good question. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe, again, there's something I missed that is a, is a perfect explanation, but... No. My, my God, if, if you dropped me into a place with a bunch of people who were made up to look a lot like my friends, something would be off and that would be, that would be the problem. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And it's, it's not bad. I hate to review the book based on stuff that isn't there, but it's stuff that is just, to me, it's so blindingly should be there and addressed to move him properly into the Marvel universe. It just, it seems really weird to me, and it, it's almost a gaping omission. Perhaps it will be addressed. Clearly, I had a bitchy week. I'm just complaining about everything. Because <laughs> uh, as a Spider-Man book, if you ignore all the Secret War shit and just say, yep, it's, it's, it's an all-new, all-different number one like anybody else would have gotten, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fine Spider-Man story. There's a couple of weaknesses in it, but... Mm -hmm. But yeah, just I liked the ballsiness of using Captain America's shield to try to take out that the, was cool. the demon. <laughs> I'm not saying there weren't cool movements in the book. It's yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man picking up Cap's shield. He should be like, whoa, okay, this is cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, there was stuff I I want to see dealt with with this character, whether it's dealt with here or in the Avengers or in his guest appearance in Nova or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, either explain to me, oh no, as far as Miles is concerned, he has always lived here, in which case, all right, fine, I'll bite the bullet on that. Yeah. But I think you're leaving stories on the table of this guy trying to, he should be half a fish out of water. He doesn't understand, you know, <laughs> he doesn't. Well, that's like, the other thing too, is, all right, if he has come through and his memory has been altered somewhat so that he's having an easier time adjusting, um, it would be really easy for... I would imagine Mephisto and or his son to uh, go in there and tweak his brain so he remembers what happened. And that'd really fuck him up. The concept 
that Mephisto could affect the memory of millions of people in a Spider-Man story is stupid. And you're stupid for saying I it. I am. God, I suck so much. <laughs> oh, one more fucking day. God damn it. <laughs> you're right. There is potential there. And maybe I'm complaining and somewhere. It Brian, seems significant that they would use Son of Mephisto. You're right. And it could be obvious. Uh, uh, the omission could be on purpose and somewhere Brian Michael Bendis could be listening to the show because all the industry types listen to totally the show. Totally listen to our that. show, yeah. Producers mm. and millionaires. The president of show business is a regular listener to this yes. show. But yeah, Bendis could be like, no, just give it time for Christ's sake. I write decompressed. It's yeah. going to take the eight other issues thing to, to remember. Yeah, it, a year from now we'll know what he was doing. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it affected my enjoyment of the book. And it really, it only occurred to me reading this because, again, I've seen Miles in other books, but not being the focus, you would think if you're going to deal with, I'm the last, he's <laughs> not even the last son of Krypton. Last son of 610. Superman didn't know any of his, uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't know, and uh, 1610, I think. Oh, okay. Right, <laughs> right. Sorry. Superman didn't know, know his parents, you know, so he's kind of a fish out of water. Everyone Miles has ever known is dead. It seemed there'd be a good story there. You would think. But I also think you shouldn't get too worked up about it because based on events, 12 to 18 months from now, he'll have another new number one. You're right. He'll have a new number <laughs> one. It'll be a new universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Good. <laughs> You're so angry. <laughs> I shouldn't do this show sober. <laughs> Do we have anything else? I think I, I we're. Think that's uh, it. I think we're good. Did we have to get ready for sports ball. Did we even manage to come in short? I uh, know, a yeah. little bit, an hour twenty. Oh my god! So that's uh, uh let's wrap it up because yeah, I think we'll be okay with our bandwidth this week if we if we wrap it up now. Woot. Next week we'll all be in a better mood. Yes, because I Deadpool. I, yes, Deadpool and uh, Valentine's Day, and I will have had my first beer by the time I press record. And I won't have to go to work on Monday, so I will also possibly be drinking whiskey during the show you go to hell <laughs> all right i don't know where you found this show gentle listener but uh wherever you find it you can always find us at our home website crisis on infinite midlives.com we are on facebook and i am doing more with that you are making a conscious choice to try and do stuff with it every day i, I get on my phone and there's an alert from facebook that my the Facebook has been accessed from you know insert here. Was this you? I don't know. It wasn't me. Yeah. No, it's uh, it would. I'll let you know if it wasn't me. I'm, I'm in there trying to interact with people, uh, trying to be social and shit. So yeah. <laughs> so yes, come and like our Facebook. It's uh, <laughs> Facebook.com/slash Crisis on Infinite Midlives. We are also on Tumblr. I'm not doing shit with that, but we're on it. Crisis on Infinite Midlives. <laughs> .tumblr.com. Uh, if Twitter continues to go tits up, we might do more with it. Well, there you go. But we are on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle at Infinite Midlife. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. And if that is your normal way of consuming podcast media, do us a favor and give us a review. Give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. Uh, we are on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always reach us at our email address, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. And I think that is it. I think that's it. This has been episode 102 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Everything's just fucking awful. Have a drink. <laughs>